Welcome back to part three of the Corporate Explorer series. We are joined again by the author of the Corporate Explorer Fieldbook, Andy Binns. You're very welcome. Hi there, A. Uh, great to be back uh, and uh, talking about what is probably my favorite topic in this book, uh, is this whole notion of hunting zones. I told you before on the show, I wear a pin to reflect each episode of this, you probably can't see it. It's one of those old camping cups and it says on an explorer, goes along with the, the corporate chirpa and the idea of corporate explorers. Just a reminder, this series is brought to you by Wazuku, which helps large organizations create effective, sustainable innovation ecosystems that accelerate efficiency gains and new value growth. It does this through intelligent enterprise software that connects and harnesses power of employees, suppliers, startups, universities, and the unique Wazoku crowd of 700,000 plus global problem solvers. And you can find Wazoku at wazoku.com. So let's get started. Andy teed us up there nicely for the idea of hunting zones. So for those of you who have been following the series, you'll remember the last time we talked about the manifesto. And the manifesto is like the call to action to help people kind of focus on specific areas. Like Andy mentioned in part one, MasterCard award on cash because that helps me focus. Well, where do I create ideas? Where do I come to the organization with ideas, etc.? But then to make it even easier, in the next chapter, Andy talks about the idea, which I love the term hunting zones. So these are like guardrails to help people understand, well, where are we going to focus our efforts? Because we can't do everything. Where is the best areas to do this? Andy, over to you to describe this beautiful term hunting zones. Thanks. Thanks, Aiden. So, so think of it this way. There's two um, ways of thinking about uh, innovation that, 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 we, that persist in organizations. One of them is very strongly top-down, right? We've got a, a CEO. Uh, you mentioned Ajay Banga. Um, you know, maybe we could also go for like a Jeff Immelt at GE um, who says we're going to have this strategy of going into um, the industrial internet of things. And he, and he says, let's do this. And he meets a resistance when he does that. And the resistance is, well, why? How do we do that? That's your idea, not ours. We're, we're, I'm not sure I see anything in that, right? He's got this kind of, and he, and he wrote a book about the cultural resistance he found when he tried to do this top, um, top down. And then the bottom up way is, I've got an idea. I've got a an insight. I can see something that those higher ups can't see, that is um, got great potential for our customers and the company. the The trouble is that when you do that, is that if there are so many of them, you can't tell which one's any good, and very often um, they are you know solutions in search of a problem. Right? It's not clear that there's a a really strong customer need for some of the ideas that come bottom up, and so. What we do with hunting zones is say, how do you sort of resolve that paradox, if you will? And you do it um, by defining the sort of the areas of, of greatest opportunity, where you think there are um, megatrends that are in your favor, things that are happening, changing in the world that you can take advantage of, right? Where there are therefore some, some customer problems that you think, yeah, those, those look like ones that um, might be interesting uh, to us. Um, where candidly there is there is need, so, so, so well, there's, sorry, there's, there's resources to deploy, so there might be money um, there, and that doesn't necessarily mean that this is purely a 
a for-profit uh, um, thought. You can also think about it in terms of how do you um, liberate you know dollars from funders or whatever. But but there needs to be some economic uh, potential um, uh, in there. But then finally, that you've got some assets to leverage, right? You're not a startup; you're a corporation. And if you're a corporation, the reason why you can beat startups at innovation is because you've got assets to bring to the table. So make sure those are in, 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 in thought from the beginning. So out of these four lenses, you can start to think, well, where are those uh, areas of the market where I might look for opportunities? So what you've done is you've created some boundaries for your bottom up, and you've done it with a top down logic. And and this idea, I, I have to, I have to quote really where this idea came from. It came from this fabulous uh, fellow Welshman, uh, David Snowden, who's a sort of complexity theorist. Uh, and Dave talks about uh, bounded diversity. That when you're in a complex space, which innovation is always dealing with complex space where there's no clarity about cause and effect and why things happen, you've got to put some boundaries around it and then go and explore, go and find out what's going on within it. And that's the concept. Go bound your areas of opportunity, and then go find out where you might be able to tap new areas of value, new potential uh, for your customers. So let's bring it to life, Andy, for our audience, the great case study. And you can see how successful this organization has been because of this approach to innovation is NVIDIA. Yeah, NVIDIA is, is, uh, is, 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 is a great example. And, and it's one that has sort of been in the background for my research the last 10 years because I first spoke to uh, Jensen Huang back in, who's the CEO back in, I think it was 2015. Uh, and um, and I have a chart that shows the date I spoke to him and the stock price today, uh, which is now like 6,000% more. Uh, and, and I didn't buy the stock, you know, which, which you know, therefore a little questionable how much you should listen to me. But anyway. A guy told me a great line on that man. He said, if you drop your keys into molten lava, forget about them. They're gone. <laughs> exactly right. Um, so four steps. Uh, map the landscape. Assess the likelihood um, that the market will mature in the way you expect. Apply some selection criteria. This is a really key point. And then select your hunting zones out of that. So mapping the landscape. If you think about NVIDIA, what he was faced with um, was uh, you know, he, he's dealing with Intel really taking his market by incorporating the graphic processing unit inside their core processing unit. And and he says, well, where is the GPU, which is like, a, because it does parallel processing, it's, it's got a lot more computing potential than, than the CPU. Um, how, how could I leverage that? What markets might need that? And, and so he looks at um, different emerging trends like artificial intelligence. And in particular, what's interesting is his pursuits of um, of the scientific markets. And he doesn't just go, oh, this is all about deep you know, computing for science. You know, he, he launches explorations into different scientific communities to understand how they are using or plan to use AI to solve tough problems, right? And over time, he's able then to get involved in those markets. Uh, and, and to, you know, the, the, the story of NVIDIA in AI comes out of that. But that initial decision that he makes to say, let's let's set up uh, an exploration in science. Let's set up an exploration in autonomous driving. Let's set up an exploration uh, in cryptocurrency, which does very well and probably gets a little bit lucky with 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 that trend. But let's let's also set up 
something in gaming consoles, which actually fails completely, right? It, it, it doesn't have a position in that. But what he's done is he's put these boundaries around and he says to his organization, um, let's go and find problems that nobody else can solve in these domains and that we can do something um, that will be unique and different. And therefore, from that, we can get some differential value. And that's what kicks off the exploration in the uh, early 2010s uh, for, for NVIDIA. And it's that mapping of the landscape that, that gets him started and then looking at uh, what it is that's changing, this assessing likelihood. What have we got in terms of megatrends, in terms of the economic evidence and so on that would go on? But then selection criteria, the third step. This is about saying really early on, what would lead you to want to pursue a market, right? Why would you pursue a market? A very simple way of putting this, I, I, I have a, uh, a semiconductor client that I've worked with for, for many years. And uh, the CEO is very clear. Uh, I don't want to have anything which is um, uh, military uh, in our hunting zones. We do some military work today, but I'm not going to seek to expand that. It's like a deliberate decision of what not to include. At the same time, he also says, I want to contribute to a more sustainable planet, right? So I'm going to be looking for hunting zones that contribute to carbon reduction and um, uh, biodiversity and so on, right? So there are some sort of pre-existing beliefs uh, that exist there. There may also be some financial uh, beliefs. Uh, and as I said before, um, something about uh, asset leverage uh, within the company. So many of these selection criteria are things that you know you just need to make explicit. You need to know in advance what would lead you to want to pursue an area of opportunity and what would not uh, what we would not want to pursue. And by making that clear, as the evidence comes in from the first two phases, you're able to then apply these filters to say, okay, which hunting zones will we go after? And then the fourth step is this selecting the hunting zones. And it's just an initial set, right? It is not the end of the story. Right? And, and you've got to stay alive to the idea of saying, well, you know, it looked, turned out we looked at um, you know, carbon capture uh, as a as a hunting zone, and it turns out that there isn't as much potential there as we thought. The technology is not mature, and the um, and, and so on, right? So you can you can kind of make these um, uh, iterations over time. If you don't make the selection, it's difficult to make the iteration, right? and that's why it's so important to get out hunting zones uh, in this process and start work. It's so valuable, man. This term the understanding the, the steps that you go through because oftentimes as you say as a corporate explorer you'll be frustrated with the organization go they're dinosaurs they do nothing with our ideas etc but your idea could be like the chocolate teapot that nobody wants is, or is irrelevant to what you do as an organization and this helps put manners on us as corporate explorers as well which sometimes we need and everybody needs that to be able to focus our attention as well this idea really came i was at a client's innovation conference uh he held the innovation conference in venice on the lido which is, is is was a fabulous invitation to get and i'm sorry i didn't know you at the time as you we could have got you there as a speaker as well right but 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 you know it's it an in, a lead indicator of a problem when you spend that much money on an innovation conference um but but there i, I met um uh, this leader who was who was advocating this great innovation i won't tell you what it is because it would illustrate the plan and, and he's saying, this is a great innovation. I said, okay, what's the market potential? Oh, a million dollars. I think we might be able to get to a million of sales. I'm like, and how big's your corporation? Oh, eight billion. 
right? And and so the trouble is that when the ideas you're pursuing are of no consequence and no importance, you you know you're not going to get funding, right? And so hunting zones are all about saying we're looking for things of consequence. This is what consequence looks like, and this is where to look for it, right? And so it's really just about reducing some of the randomness uh, and wasted effort. Candidly, that a person has spent you know years developing this product, and no one was ever going to fund it significantly. Right, so you just improve your odds with this simple piece of narrowing. Absolutely, and improving the odds is exactly what this book does for everybody as well. And again, I think it's so so important for corporate explorers. It's one of the reasons I was so excited to do this series, Andy. Again, for people who want to find you, find out more about your work, corporate explorer book. Where is the best place to find you? Come to uh, changelogic.com um, for to to reach out to me or. Uh, thecorporateexplorer.com to find out about our books. In the episode, Andy mentioned sustainability, and I'm proud to say our sponsor, Wazoku, is a B Corp. Wazoku helps large organizations create sustainable, effective innovation ecosystems that accelerate efficiency gains and new value growth. It does this through intelligent enterprise software that connects and harnesses the power of employees, suppliers, startups, universities, and the unique Wazoku crowd of 700,000 plus global problem solvers. You can find Wazuku at wazuku.com.